This is the Old Republic Podcast. Spoiler warning for the Knights of the Old Republic series, Star Wars, The Old Republic, and all other media. This is where the fun begins. Hello there. Star Wars and the Knights of the Old Republic series are filled with a lot of interesting names. Another interesting name you should be aware of is Zapendo. Zapendo is a way that you can send documents with e-signatures, manage contracts, and edit documents, and track who has received them, and do it all from one place for much less than comparable sites. You can also assign stakeholders who would need to be aware of certain contracts, log issues, risks, and attach copies of the contracts, everything like that and more. That's right. Yeah. Zapendo, it gives you the power to manage your contracts, edit them on the fly, send an e-signature, manage your expirations, alerts, and more. And all of that is unlimited with Zapendo, which sounds pretty great. So for more information... Head on over to Zapendo.com, and you can start a free trial. And you can use Old Republic 15 to save 15%. Again, that is Zapendo.com to start your free trial. And remember to use the promo code Old Republic 15 to get 15% off of your subscription. All right, and we can get back to the episode. Hello there, this is us from the future. We wanted to let you know that this episode was recorded before the KOTOR remake was officially announced. Now with that in mind, you can listen to us in the past. May the force be with you. Well, hello there, and welcome aboard the Evan Hawk Podcast. Today we're doing a really fun episode with a really great guest. Uh, so today we have with us Parks, also known as Artor on YouTube, uh, has a really great channel, but uh, he's joining up with us so we can do a little bit of digging into the Knights of the Old Republic and Mass Effect Uh kind of, you know, lineage and similarities and, you know, just learn a little bit more about, you know, kind of these franchises that, you know, sort of uh, piggybacked off of one another. So, Parks, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, you know, as I was telling you guys before we came on here, um, you know, I'm a huge fan of Star Wars and it's probably my favorite sci-fi universe, but right behind it is Mass Effect. Um, so, you know, it, for anyone who has not played Mass Effect, it might surprise people to know sort of the connections, like, you know, both games have, or I should say KOTOR and Mass Effect have. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to dive into that. And uh, to anyone who, you know, uh, wants to see my videos or anything that I make, you know, I make a lot of Star Wars content. Uh, you can find me on YouTube as Artor, as Brian said. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I was just kind of uh, browsing through your channel here, um, and it looks like you do... Uh, some really great kind of documentary deep dive kind of things on uh, there's some focus on Star Wars, which is kind of, you know, all other kinds of media, some different video games and uh, stuff like that, movies, uh, a little bit of everything. So yeah. for, you know, for our podcast, the Evan Hawk podcast, obviously Star Wars and KOTOR kind of focused. So um, I guess, you know, what kind of got you into this world? You said, you know, of your sci-fi uh, favorite universes, you know, Star Wars and Mass Effect are right up there. So what was it that, you know, kind of first got you uh, interested in uh, Star Wars going down uh, that path? Uh, 
Well, for me, you know, um, really, like, I mean, you know, everyone has sort of their first encounter with the films, and, you know, I have that for sure. And, you know, of course, like, watching it as a kid, I think I was like seven or eight, I was just, you know, immediately interested in it. Um, But really what got me, like, you know, hook, line, sinker into Star Wars was probably the Clone Wars, Um, Mm -hmm. just because, you know, that was coming out right when I was, like, I was, like, the perfect sort of demographic for that show, um and sure. yeah i loved it um and just you know that show really because it expands on so many different aspects of star wars you can really trace a lot of what that show does for star wars to a lot of different sci-fi properties outside of star wars because it's doing so much expansive storytelling and asking a lot of you know sort of the questions that you ask in a lot of other sci-fi stories like mass effect for instance um so yeah really that that sort of was the the foundation for me. Um, and you know, that, that was last year, sort of my mission with Artur was to really just bring to life everything I loved about the Clone Wars. Um, and you know, those are some of my, probably my most well-received, uh, videos that I've put out for the community. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. It looks like there's a, like a three part series here. I'm yeah. seeing all about the Clone Wars. So yeah, that's great. Definitely check that out. You know, everyone listening out there, um, I'll definitely have to check that out. I was a late comer to, the Clone Wars, so I mm-hmm. I didn't really watch it until they'd announced episode, or season seven, so then right. I went back and, you know, binged through the whole thing to kind of lead up to it, but I've watched it, I think, twice in its entirety since then, so yeah, it's uh, really great, really great storytelling, so I could definitely see how that would get you hooked into this uh, universe, you know, wanting to explore it a little bit further, uh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, I also had probably, like, three or four friends who like, you know, texted me probably last year. Cause they were like hearing all the hype for season seven and they were like, like, dude, the Clone Wars is awesome. Like, I'm like, that's what I've been telling you all these years, you know? So, <laughs> right. Uh, that was, I feel like that was a lot of people last year, which is pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, well, so you got a uh, big into the, into the Clone Wars, got you into Star Wars. What about, um, uh, these, uh, these Bioware titles. So Knights of the Old Republic and then, uh, into Mass Effect were those games that you kind of played, growing up or stuff that you got into um you know later like after the clone wars you got into those or definitely closer to like after the fact because um i i think you know uh i've you know i've always been like sort of a creative person and i've always wanted to sort of make you know um like multimedia content of some sort Mm -hmm. um and so you know when of course when i was younger i had a like a youtube channel i did like like walkthrough and let's play videos Oh, okay. And at first, I I just sort of did like Star Wars games, and um, this might I'm not sure if this is a, a carnal sin in the, in the Kotor community or not. But my first I, I played Old Republic, Star Wars: The Old Republic before I played Kotor. Um, okay. <laughs> I I don't know, um, you know how bad. There's or, no right way. You know, we all have different uh, entry points to right. Star Wars in the different branches. Right. Exactly. Um, and you know, I love that game. You know that I've haven't really stopped playing it. Um, since it came out, maybe off and on here and there, but still enjoying it. And of course, you know, loving that universe, people in the game were like, hey, have you played KOTOR? I'm like, no, not really. Um, so I, I eventually played it. Um, I sort of uploaded my whole entire playthrough, like my first reaction to it on YouTube. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't watch it, uh, because <laughs> okay. I was like 15 when I did it, and, you know, <laughs> I, I don't recognize that person anymore. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, yeah, I, I love the game. It was just you know, uh, like a really complete Star Wars experience, 
you know, with great characters and great storytelling and um, sort of like a great, like, choose-your-own-adventure approach to the storytelling, which, you know, I, I feel like, you know, is people try to do a lot of the time with, with different areas of Star Wars, but n- nothing has really done it better than sort of the KOTOR games in that regard and really planning you in that fantasy and making you feel like you're part of it. It was definitely a new way to kind of tell that story and to flesh it out and to make you feel like you were part of it, which is why I think it resonated uh, so well with a lot of people. And I think that's what a lot of people can identify with in the Mass Effect series, you know, kind of to that same T, right? You can really kind of see yourself in those roles and in those environments and situations. So, yeah, it definitely, definitely those universes that Bioware built, uh, you know, hit with a lot of people, uh, which is pretty awesome. So. And then I guess before we before we go, let's uh, just talk, you know, for a couple minutes about your channel. Like we said, it's uh, mm-hmm. our tour on YouTube. Um, yes. So like I said, kind of these documentary type of things. What got you interested in, you know, doing those, getting this content made? You said that you'd always, you know, kind of wanted to produce content and stuff like that. But, yeah. you know, how did you how did you get started in it? And, you know, what's kind of the creative process for doing it? Sure. Um well, as I said, I, I sort of started on YouTube doing like let's play videos uh, and like walkthroughs for the games I liked. Um, and at some point, you know, I think probably like you know I, I was done high school or, or whatever, and I, I was just sort of, you know, it was getting to the point where I was like, all right, well, you know, I I I enjoy doing this, but I'm not really challenging myself by doing this. This is just something I can just sit there, record, put up. It's fun. But it's not really challenging me, and um, you know I love filmmaking, and um, you know uh, I was I was majoring in filmmaking. I switched my majors a little bit ago just because um, you know I, I feel like I'm pretty confident in and like a lot of the stuff that I like about film, and mm-hmm. to not do it as a career, but really to do it as like a passion. Um, sure. But yeah, so I, I I like filmmaking. I like a lot of the storytelling aspects of it, and I've always loved like analyzing it and stuff like that, and. Um, you know, with, with, uh, with our tour, um, sort of the initiative for that channel was, you know, after years and years of doing content on my other channel, um, I, I sort of just wanted to finally do like these full blown sort of deep dives into games that I really enjoyed, mainly games. It was, it was supposed to just be video games in the start. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started with like the Borderlands games cause Borderlands three was coming out as a big fan of that. And then, you know, I had to talk about Borderlands two first. Um, and it was okay, but really it wasn't until like the Clone Wars was coming around that I, I, I felt like this, this like, uh, deep, like sort of inspiration to sort of bring the, the shine a light on that show because growing up, you know, I, I loved it, but it never felt like it sort of had the, um, same sort of appreciation as the films when to me, you know, that was my Star Wars and, um. You know, I really just wanted to uh, shed a light on all of the creative aspects and, and a lot of the genius behind the show and um, to just really expose as much of that as possible in the same way that, you know, sort of the genius of the films or, or some of the greatest Star Wars stories have been sort of talked about. Um, and so that's, that's sort of what drove me to do those those videos. And really from there, I, I sort of realized I could do that with so many other things like The Last of Us and... Um, Jedi Fallen Order and Cyberpunk, which came out earlier this year, and um, other Star Wars, you know, properties like Star Wars Rebels, which I did earlier this year. So, um, yeah, it's it's just sort of now become like a, a continuing mission to just sort of um, 
you know, sort of just talk about the production of these things, sort of give people insight into how these things are made, but also um, emotionally connect with people and, and sort of, you know, um, hopefully pass on a message that resonates with them um, just by looking at something that they love or maybe something that they they didn't like at first, but they learned to appreciate because of maybe um, what they learned about it. So, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And uh, yeah, my introduction to your channel is actually the failure is not the end. The journey of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Loved it. Thank you very much. Yeah. And then like, I I also liked the the Rebels uh, video because I think Jedi Fallen Order and Rebels, they kind of like, they're about hope, but like kind of the complexity of hope and like yes, sometimes hope is hard, you know. And yeah, 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 and and also sort of like both are are very concerned with I think, especially rebels like the mythological aspects of 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 those themes and sort of like you know sort of deconstructing like sort of the storytelling stuff in Star Wars that builds into those themes. So. Um, yeah, no, I, I love Fallen Order and Rebels, and I, I, you know, I love most things in Star Wars. It's not, you know, I'm um, glad I can say that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, thank you. Uh, those videos were very fun to make. Yeah, and it, at the end of the day, it's really about the, the emotions and the resonance that stories have, and I always love examination more than just, like, you, like, either it's a masterpiece or it sucks, you know, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I I was trying to get away with that or get away from that with our tour because I feel like on the internet, like you said, there's a very natural inclination to, to be like, you know, I, I think it's bad, you know, I don't like it or or even just to be like, you know, very blindly, this is great, this is good. And it, it's important for people to have opinions and express them. But yeah. I always really just like sort of, um, you know, just sort of pulling back the curtain and, and sort of showing people like, Here's all the things about it that, you know, you can really appreciate and, and love because the people who made it put a lot of thought and care into it. Yeah, absolutely. So well, why don't we do this? Why don't we take a quick break and then we'll be back with Parks to talk a little bit about, you know, kind of Bioware getting off the ground, uh, doing a little game uh, that everyone out there listening has probably heard of by now, Knights of the Old Republic, uh, how it ties into <laughs> Mass Effect and yeah, talk a little bit about Mass Effect and Parks going to tell Cassie and I why we should play it because spoiler alert, neither of us have. So no. uh, <laughs> let's take a, take a quick break and then we'll be right back and uh, dig into this thing. Alrighty, so before we really dive into the mass effect of it all, one thing I have to ask is what is the kind of, what's the term for being a fan of mass effect? Is it a mass hole? (laughs) You know, I saw that in the outline and I was like, I'm not really sure how to interpret this. Um, (laughs) Yeah, either was I. I. That's true. (laughs) I I would love to be called a mass hole if that makes me a fan of mass effect. That that's such a great idea. Uh, No, I don't know if there really is a term for for that. Um, Yeah, no, I mean, 
is there even a term for i mean you have trekkies is there even a thing for star wars fans like a well, star warrior a star, a star warrior. warrior yeah um so so when i when i got the uh, outline for today and i saw that and i uh you know, typed it into my favorite web browser and was looking, and I did find a reference to to this. And apparently, that is a that is a slang for someone that uh, gives spoilers for how oh. Mass Effect ends. Uh, so oh. that makes sense. So I guess we're probably not going to get into spoilers too much, but you know, spoiler warning, uh, I guess for for Mass Effect going forward. But yeah, but yeah, sure. that's that's kind of what I could find out about it at least. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. definitely throw like a. You know, for the YouTube version, you can throw like a whole like "Don't be a masshole" like sort of sign oh, yeah. with like a a circle with a slash around it. You know, <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> yeah. So, spoiler alert! In case you weren't paying attention, we're going to be talking about all things Mass Effect today. Uh, but yeah, as as Brandon Brian kind of said earlier, uh, neither of us have really dived into uh the mass effect world like somehow i just missed the train i was really into Mm -hmm. kotor but just didn't really make it to mass effect but if you had to like kind of get a give a pitch to people to uh tell them about the mass effect series like what is the mass effect series so mass effect is a um an action role-playing game or really it's a trilogy of action role-playing games um where you play as Commander Shepard, who is sort of the, um, who's uh, sort of a defining hero for the uh, Human Alliance, um, as they enter into this very alien version of our universe. You know, it's in the Milky Way, so you have Earth, but also you have all these other planets that are inhabited by alien species, um, and uh, it's very much focused on technology and sort of the differences between, or rather the differences and similarities between all these different alien races and um, uniting them against a common threat uh, known as the Reapers. Um, So, yeah, and uh, of course made by Bioware, so it has sort of the choice and consequence gameplay that you know and love from KOTOR. Yeah, because I I was talking to one of my friends, who is a Patreon member for our Patreon, mm-hmm. uh, Minhaz, and he was saying like that he thought the morality meter of Mass Effect was influenced by the light and darkness slider that you, you kind of see in KOTOR. And it's like, oh, that that's kind of cool that like it's not just a Star Wars thing. You know, you can have a oh, morality yeah. meter. Yeah, and, and in a way they sort of reconfigure that for Mass Effect because you don't really have like the Force in Mass Effect. Um, but you do, they do, again, you know, put that em- an emphasis on the same sort of um, moral quandaries that comes with the light side and the dark side, except in Mass Effect, it's Paragon and Renegade. So as a, as a commander, you're making choices that sort of define you as, um, you know, someone who, you know, uh, sees that the means justify the ends. That's sort of the Renegade or Paragon, you know, you're sort of protector of justice and good and stuff like that. So very much like a Jedi or a Sith. Oh, cool. And then you yeah. said there were, it's a trilogy of yes. RPG games. Okay. And then are there any like spin off titles or remakes or anything? Um, there's Mass Effect Andromeda, which is essentially uh, a, a spin off. It, it takes place at the same time as the trilogy in the Andromeda Galaxy, 
Um, it's not as well received by any stretch, nor as quite as impactful as, as the Mass Effect games. Um, and I believe Bioware is currently working on uh, a Mass Effect 4 or whatever you want to call it, Mass Effect 5 of some sorts. So they're still telling stories in the universe. Um, but when people talk about Mass Effect, they're usually referring to, you know, Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3, this, you know, iconic trilogy of video games. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And was it earlier this year, right? The Legendary Edition, which are the yes. the remasters of the, you know, the original ones from 2007, 10, and 12? Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's and that was a big deal because people had been asking for that for years um, just because people love the game so much. And um, yeah, that that is definitely that sort of has reignited a lot of conversation about Mass Effect that, you know, was sort of not left in the greatest state for a couple of years because people didn't like Andromeda and some people mm-hmm. had um, problems with the way three ended. So, um, but Mass Effect Legendary Edition was like a really nice trip sort of back, um, to all the things that made those games great. And, um, yeah. So, uh, if it's, and if for anyone who has not played Mass Effect, um, picking up the Legendary Edition is a great place to start because everything's sort of made for newer systems and the graphics are great. And, uh, you know, uh, you get to enjoy all the content plus the DLC from like the original games. Well, that's good to know. Maybe we could do a playthrough or something. And, yeah, there you go. Yeah, kind of experience yeah. a, a new story, like, and not like, uh, maybe tread the the Kotor train too too thin. You know, <laughs> uh, kind of space things out. You do, um, you do get a little bit of as as we'll go through. You do get a little bit of Kotor with Mass Effect, so there is definitely that appeal to it. Yeah, and so you mentioned a Commander Shepard, and then. I believe you can, like, choose to, like, make Commander Shepard, like, a male or female. Is that right? That's correct. And, um, you know, pretty iconic because, uh, you know, with KOTOR, you know, um, you know, Revan being male or female, um, either way, you know, sort of everyone else in the game has a voice except for Revan. Mass Effect was really the first Bioware title where uh, the protagonist had a voice and the whole game was fully voiced. So imagine like Revan, if they, the whole game was, had their voice. And so they did that for, um, Mass Effect with, with, you know, male Commander Shepard or, or female Commander Shepard. And didn't that kind of like carry over to the older public where it's like, you kind of select the gist of what you'll say and then you kind of get to hear what it says? Yeah, very much like sort of the, the dialogue wheel. I, I, I believe Bioware has it patented actually. Um, other other sort of games and RPGs have sort of done their take on the dialogue wheel, but really Mass Effect, you know, took sort of that idea of, of um, like, sort of abbreviating what the character would say, putting in the dialogue wheel, and then when you pick that option, it, it, it more or less represents what's being said. But the whole point of it is that, um, you know, you're sort of picking it based on emotion at the moment. Like, am I feeling more angry at this person and mm. am i feeling more charitable and that's sort of the point of like the abbreviated dialogue wheel and then the extended option so it was sort of an innovation of of what they had done in their previous games like kotor um yeah yeah and then i think uh the the male shepherd was voiced by mark Muir, and then i believe that uh the female shepherd was voiced by jennifer hale who uh as, as she's basically in everything like she's yes. a very prolific <laughs> guinness book world records winning voice actress but yeah. she was also uh bastelishan in, yeah. in kotor oh yeah 
Yeah, and um, she would also go on to be sort of the voice of the um, the female trooper class in Old Republic. Uh, oh, so yeah. she went from playing a Jedi to a soldier in one universe and then a soldier in another universe. So uh, her and Bioware are, are, are pretty close because she even did voices, I think, in the Baldur's Gate games before KOTOR, like some like pretty iconic companions. Um, and I don't think I think Mark Mir did like a few lines here and there for um, like some of Bioware's older games. He wasn't in KOTOR at all, I don't think. Um, and he was originally only the stand-in actor for Shepard for Mass Effect. Um, but I, I, f- I forget what their sort of decision was, but they just sort of went with him. And, you know, his voice is also iconic for the character as well now, so. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, so this is kind of like earlier in Bioware's run, like you said, was it like it was released in 2007? Yes. And at that point, Bioware had, had been making games for about 10 years or so. And so... Yeah. Um, Really, up to that point, they were only making games that were sort of in other people's sort of universes. So, you know, you had the Baldur's Gate games and Neverwinter Nights, which were um, tied to the Dungeons and Dragons license. Mm-hmm. KOTOR, obviously, the Star Wars license. And then um, they had a couple of other games here and there, like MDK 2, um, which was a sequel to MDK. Not a very popular game, but still, like, they were taking it on from someone else. And. I think in 2005, they did a game called Jade Empire, which was sort of their attempt to do, like, okay, here's our own universe, um, Mm -hmm. sort of based in, like, Japanese mythology. A really cool game, but didn't really sell well. So Mass Effect was sort of their second attempt at that. Um, And they took a lot of the DNA from KOTOR and doing it. So uh, it was a pretty big moment for Bioware. Yeah, I was looking at some gameplay of Jade Empire earlier today, and it, it... It definitely gives off off kind of the vibe of a like a half step between Kotor yes. and and kind of the more finished uh, Mass Effect, right? Like they're just kind of trying to wheel in this universe that they could kind of control and see what they could come up with, and then you know that was kind of the kind of the training grounds for what they landed with on Mass Effect. Then, yeah, yeah, and um, you know there, there there are certain things they did with Jade Empire that. Was, was basically, like, immediate fe- feedback from KOTOR. Like, I know one thing was, um, you know, with KOTOR, like, that game has a, a real-time, or not a real-time, sorry, a turn-based combat system. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they tried to make it sort of as fast as possible because, you know, in, in Baldur's Gate, um, you know, you're sort of casting spells and watching the characters play out the animations. And, and KOTOR, you know, them wanting to make it, like, a more cinematic, authentic Star Wars experience compared to the previous games... Um, you know, they really honed in on sort of like the fast animations and, and fast action maneuvers, sort of immediate feedback. And so in Jade Empire, um, they uh, like officially dropped sort of the turn-based combat system and went for like a real-time combat system where you hit the input and immediately does it. You don't have to wait for it, the animation to play or anything. And then, of course, in Mass Effect, that followed through even more because that whole game is basically a shooter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I was like, I don't think it would probably be like a turn-based system for mass effect so that's good to know uh yeah (laughs) yeah it's popular with some people but i think like like say if there were to be a remake of kotor nowadays i think that uh the turn base would be oh no yeah done away with so yeah yeah exactly no i had time for that so um (laughs) (laughs) yeah so it so this is kind of made like an early bioware early Bioware time, you know, and, yeah. um, 
So it would probably be like the same team that developed KOTOR uh, and so I'm guessing Casey Hudson was there and the team yes. like who was in charge of KOTOR because uh, I think like the Knights of the Old Republic book by Alex Kane, they were talking about like the he was talking about the background of what went into creating the uh, the KOTOR game and mm -hmm. it was kind of talking about how Mass Effect or how Bioware they kind of turned down doing Knights of the Old Republic 2 they recommended Obsidian Entertainment and I believe like that was Obsidian Entertainment's like, yes. yeah. first, first big game you know and I think like Bioware they just wanted to like kind of not have like a tight deadline and they wanted to <laughs> dive into their they wanted to create like their original IP so uh how do you think that that team uh how do you think like going from KOTOR to uh Jade Empire to Mass Effect kind of influenced uh that trajectory um well, I think I think with Kotor, you know, you, you pointed out a lot of things, sort of reasons they, you know, they didn't go and develop the sequel. Um, you know, I, I think it, I, I, you know, I don't know too much about sort of how it was working with LucasArts. I sort of presume, um, you know, it worked out well, and obviously they had a lot of creative freedom, just given how different a lot of things in Kotor are from the rest of Star Wars. Um, but uh, ultimately, yeah, like they, they were getting to the point where they really wanted to have IPs that they had complete control of, you know, so not only could they control sort of like the universal aspects of it, um, but, you know, they could also control like the branding and the merchandise and it, it was sort of like all in their wheelhouse and, and for their benefit. And so that was sort of, I guess, the attempt of, of Jade Empire. And Jade Empire was an older idea that I think um, Ray Muzika and Greg Zeschuk, who are, you know, the co-founders of Bioware, they had in the company, um, to sort of do something that delved into Japanese mythology. And after KOTOR, they figured they, you know, sort of had the technology to do it. So that was, I think, sort of started during KOTOR's development, and then, of course, finished uh, about, like, two years later, I believe. Um, but, and then with, with Mass Effect, you know, because Jade Empire was really... That, that was different parts of the studio sort of coming together and finishing it. You had a, some of the core designers of of um, KOTOR working on it. I think Derek Watts was the art director, and um, I think, I, hopefully I'm not getting his name wrong, Preston Wadaminic, uh, who is, I think, the sort of lead game designer on um, KOTOR, was sort of doing the same thing on Jade Empire. Um, but really for Casey Hudson, you know, after finishing KOTOR, his next sort of ambition was the pitch for Mass Effect because um, I think just after finishing it, him and like sort of the team of seven core designers who were working on KOTOR, they sort of laid out like a like a document um, with some of their ideas for like their own universe. And I, I think the essential pitch was like, you know, take the formula that worked so well in KOTOR and apply it to a universe that Bioware could control and, and could create from the ground up. Um, and so that's sort of where Mass Effect was born. And, and you know, as I don't know if I already mentioned this, but it, it was initially called SFX, which is really funny. Oh, okay. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I just I just think it's an interesting name because it's it sounds like a like sound effects type of thing. So they that's wanted what I was something. That, 
Yeah, so they wanted something like I guess uh, like dramatic and um, definitely brought that like sci-fi feeling. Um, yeah. So yeah, so so you know you can't have really you can't have Mass Effect without Kotor because a lot of what Bioware learned on Kotor making their full scale biggest RPG yet um, helped them to do something that was even bigger um, with Mass Effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. funny if you if you look through the timeline of their games they basically each just broke their own record for how much like recorded dialogue and stuff yeah was in them so it you know it just kind of all built on you know kind of those those early entries and then you know kind of with the you know i don't want to i don't want to say peak but you know they got to this point with knights of the old republic where really they were able to then you know with the success of that game go off and kind of do whatever they wanted to do and yeah. you know st- struck gold then with the uh, mass effect again so yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah, Minhaz, he said, I think the space opera aspect was clearly inspired by KOTOR. Oh, for sure. And, yeah. like, obviously, like, Bioware wanted the IP of their own. And I'm like, oh, it's, it's really cool to kind of, like, see the evolution of the studio, like, uh, just to kind of, like, see an upward trajectory, like, like what kind of projects they are tackling and, like, they're getting, like, better and more experienced as a team and, like, building up the technological yeah. capabilities they have. And, yeah, it makes me feel guilty for not playing J-Empire <laughs> and, and Mass Effect, so. I mean, yeah, they're they're great games. And if I'm being honest, like, I probably haven't played, like, half of Bioware's library of games. So, um, you know, really, you can see elements that carry over in all of them sort of the same style of storytelling most of them are written by some of the same writers kotor and mass effect are are, uh, both have the head writer of uh, drew karpishan um and i think what's uh luke christensen he's worked on i think he's done like um writing for i think almost all of bioware's games up through like the most recent dragon age i think Hmm. um so yeah, he because you know he worked on the Baldur's Gate games and then Kotor and then um, Mass Effect. So really playing them, you get sort of a, a broad spectrum of the type of storytellers Bioware is, and um, really you get you get a sense of like their love for role playing because um, Ray Muzika and Greg Zeschuk, um, you know, were huge role tabletop role playing fans, and so I think sort of the the winning sort of element you know what makes all of their games great and why they're able to push you know make these advances with each new title is because they understand that when it comes to like tabletop role-playing it's it's not about like literally recreating the experience which was what a lot of other rpgs were sort of doing at the time in the game industry Mm -hmm. but it's about recreating how it feels um and so you know with kotor it was like you know, this is, you know, they could have easily had sort of the top-down isometric camera of Baldur's Gate and had the same sort of um, book-like narrative of, of Baldur's Gate, but, you know, give it the Star Wars skin, and it probably still would have been a really excellent game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, you know, because you had, like, someone like Casey Hudson sort of leading the charge, you know, he was a mechanical engineering grad and, um, you know, had a very technical mind and, and kind of understood the mechanics of working with a lot of people to create something that hadn't even existed yet uh he really wanted to push it to be like cinematic to to really recreate the experience of the films as much as possible and using the technology that was 
um, developed at the time, you know, uh, in the in the games industry, very broadly speaking, to to do that. So it's sort of a groundbreaking game in that regard. And and every sort of Bioware title over that over that decade, pretty much throughout the decade, is groundbreaking in in some way or another for the RPG genre. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that it's really what kind of separates the Bioware RPGs from other RPGs. Um, like you mentioned, a uh, really good point. You know, they they really leaned into like the um, you know, the tabletop RPGs, role-playing yeah. games that you'd play. Um, and what people really like about those, um, I'm not huge into those. I have mm-hmm. played them and enjoy them. But what what you really get out of that is you're really telling your own story. Um, where if you play other RPGs, um, you, know, I, you know, like stuff like Final Fantasy, you know, comes to mind, you yeah. know, being another big one. You You feel like you're playing that story, but not necessarily your story. Um, and I think I think that's really what kind of sets Bioware apart, um, not necessarily in terms of quality, but just in a different feeling that you get while oh, playing yeah. the game. Yeah, and and the thing is too is like you know being completely objective about it, like they do have a very specific story charted out for the player and all of their games, like you know Kotor for sure, and the player does have choices they can make, but it's always sort of like in a sort of contained area of like okay, you can't make any sort of choice as you would in a tabletop game, because, of course, mm-hmm. you know, they have to put that in the game. <laughs> right. um, but really, you know, what what makes it feel like it is your story and you have complete control of it is just that they elevate so much of the experience by, like, the, with the music and the voice acting and all of these creative aspects that, or even just the world design, that just really make you feel like you're in it and that it's it's, like you're the protagonist of a film and, and you have like, you're, you're at the, the, the seat of the car. I, um, I, uh, you know, I was writing my video and there's a certain analogy I use in it, uh, where basically the player of a, when you're playing a Bioware game, you are both the player and the director, you know, you're, you're Mm -hmm. sort of the person going through it, but you're also determining how the experience plays out, or at least Bioware is making you think that, which just speaks to their genius. So, (laughs) Yeah, it is interesting because even with KOTOR, uh, even if you like go Jedi or Sith, like you hit a lot of the a lot of the same beats, uh, yeah. which is which is good storytelling. And uh, yeah, of course, I like that you say that like Bioware kind of makes you feel like the the player and director because I, I was like, it, it does like you're kind of creating your own experience, but you're kind of like experiencing it as as the events happen and i think they're they're just good at like kind of immersing you in a a grand story like space opera yeah for sure yeah Yeah. now that's the other thing that's you know made casey hudson such a great director for the game is um you know he's a a a very um hugely proclaimed like sci-fi fan I, i was watching an interview recently where he was talking about like He's the type of guy that'll go to like the grocery store and look through like the three dollar movie bin, and look for like the um, you know like the sort of like three dollar like sci fi movies. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know really cheaply made, but you know they they always have that sort of like feeling of of just being in space and and you know that space opera thing like you said. Um, so I think for him like working on that game, he knew exactly what he wanted to do, um, and and what really things needed to work, and you know that also of course speaks to what works in Mass Effect about the space opera aspects. I think we 
we mentioned the dialogue wheel, which was kind of like a kind of like a step forward, I think, like for the yeah. the storytelling. Like, what like kind of steps forward did you notice? Like, uh, whether it's in the design, whether it's in how things look or are presented, or like in storytelling, like what like what new uh, like what was new in Mass Effect that like, like Bioware innovations. presented? Um. Well, as you said, the sort of the the dialogue wheel being a, a big one. Um, there's also, you know, again, uh, to further emphasize, sort of like that cinematic approach. Um, you know, that was that was a big thing with with Mass Effect, because with Kotor, you could see them sort of going for like like creating a cinematic experience. But as as we said, like. Um, with some stuff like the turn-based combat system and even just some of the technical limitations of the time, you know, in terms of, you know, what you can have loaded up on a screen, like how far in the distance can you look? Um, mm-hmm. There is some aspects of that experience that they have to sort of contain. It's not like a huge sprawling sort of thing. Um, but in Mass Effect, it was a lot more like that. And so they really push the technology a lot farther. There's a lot like cutscenes are pretty well integrated into the gameplay um and you know they they sort of play around a lot more with you know i'd say the cinematography because in kotor you have that sort of um over the shoulder camera um which was you know a, a big thing not many really not many rpgs really had that at least not like the ones where you you chose like your dialogue and stuff so in, in mass effect they had a thing where you know the camera's sort of uh, moving on its own, I guess, uh, like sort of, they have it scripted so that at a certain moment, the camera's positioned a certain way. And mm-hmm. at the same time, you're interacting with it, you're making dialogue choices. So it, they just even further sink you into that experience just because of the technology they have. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, as I, I said before, with Commander Shepard being a, the Bioware's first fully voiced protagonist was a big deal as well. Um, it, it, and it was an interesting decision too, because there there is maybe an argument to be made that once you give the character a voice, maybe it's different than the voice you would have given them. Um, but at the same time, you know, with Mass Effect, Bioware was really trying to make you be Commander Shepard. Um, that's a huge part of the experience, and um, you know, fr- from pretty much from the beginning of the game, they they do a lot of things to really put you in the boots of this character, even though you have choices. Um, that define who they are more. Um, other than that, you have, you know, in, in KOTOR, you have the Ebon Hawk, uh, the, the, the player ship. In Mass Effect, you have the Normandy. And, of course, you can talk to your companions on it and stuff. Um, you can navigate the galaxy with it. There's, like, a full-blown galaxy map. So, really, it's a lot of the... Oh, yeah, it's and it's awesome. Like, um, there's the really iconic theme that plays in the galaxy map in Mass Effect. And I could honestly just, like sit and stare at it for like a few hours um <laughs> it, it it's 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 also sort of what inspired the uh galaxy map for the player ships in old republic um so so really you can see a lot of things in mass effect that are basically just delivering on the wish fulfillment in um kotor that you know some of the technology wasn't able to do at the time mm-hmm. and and then in, and ultimately you could see I guess, um, an answer to what, you know, if KOTOR was made in 2007, a little bit more of what it would have looked like. 
Yeah, because uh, Mass Effect was released, I believe, right on the Xbox 360, so it had a generational upgrade there, and I think it was one of the kind of one of the first games to start using the uh, was it? I think the the third uh, release kind of of the Unreal Engine. Yes. So so yeah, 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 yeah. so so quite a bit more, uh, you know, processing power and both yeah. of those things. So. Um, one of the things that I noticed, like I said, I'd, I've never played it, but I, I did start watching like a little bit of a playthrough. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, not yours, per your recommendation to not go back and watch and watch <laughs> yours, but um, uh, I was looking at it, and one of the things that kind of stuck out to me as I was watching it was that um, Mass Effect looked like a game that was designed to be played on an Xbox, and I played Knights of the Old Republic on my on the original Xbox, that was my first introduction mm-hmm. to it. And that always, to me, felt like a game that I should have been playing on a computer and not yeah. on an Xbox. Um, oh, so yeah. I think I think that just some of the lessons they learned in doing a console game versus the computer game, because I think, like, Baldur's Gate and all that stuff was all uh, uh, PC games. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, just some, some more lessons that they learned there and were able to kind of hone in and make it more, you know, user-friendly, I guess, for the, uh, yeah. the end user. Yeah, yeah, a lot of the a lot of the decisions with with uh, you know, sort of Mass Effect was like like you said, making it console friendly. It's still great on PC, of course. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, you know, they made a game that was um, you know, just as accessible to consoles and probably more accessible to console users than uh, KOTOR. Even though I'm sure, you know, like you know, they've done KOTOR on mobile and the controls I think work well there. You could do mm-hmm. it on console, and it was on console. Um, but yeah, like it, it's for sure. Like you, like like you said, something they got much better at with with Mass Effect. Yeah, and maybe we should have asked this earlier. But <laughs> Star Wars obviously means like you know you have War in the Stars, you know, uh, and like Knights of yeah. the Old Republic. You have Jedi <laughs> Knights in the Old Republic. Uh, what does Mass Effect mean? Okay, so essentially what the title is referring to? Yeah. Um, so it has a couple meanings, like any great title uh, does. Um, I think the first thing is sort of in the universe of Mass Effect, you have these um, like these portal devices of sorts. They're, they're like giant sort of ships with like a... Well, not really ships, but they're like giant sort of like beacons... Like lighthouses, I guess, is sort of a thing you could compare them to with like a giant sort of gyroscopic sort of energy thing in the center. Um, and the, the point, the purpose of these things, they're called mass effect relays, is to shift a whole bunch of matter across the universe very quickly. So sort of like hyperspace. Um, so that's, that's the sort of in-universe meaning of it. There's another idea to the name mass effect or another interpretation in that um, because you're Commander Shepard and a lot of the game is about sort of the impact you have on the different alien races of the galaxy and other humans and your companions, it's evaluating sort of, you know, the mass effect you have on other things. And, um, oh God, my one engineering friend the other night said something, made a joke about mass effect. I'm trying to remember it about saying how mass is matter or something related to matter and the effect of, of matter. And he was trying to say that it essentially translated to your choices matter. And he, I can't explain it super well, 
but that's another <laughs> angle of it, essentially. So, um, yeah, and that's sort of where it came from. And that was a title that they didn't land on for a while. I, I have um, it's a it's a really great book. I recommend it if you want to learn more about Bioware. Called uh, they just released it last year, like Bioware: Twenty Five Years of Secrets and Stories. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, and they talk about you know the development of all their games in there, and ah. they go th- there's a yeah it's it's really great, um, and there's a whole page where they talk like they have the different titles of Mass Effect laid out. They had like the Epsilon Effect. They had, I think it was called like like what was it Dark Energy at some point, um, yeah different different stuff like that. Huh. Perhaps we'll have to uh, become bookstagrammers, you know, on our podcast <laughs> and yeah. and talk about that book. Uh, it's so good it's it's really informative has you know there's it's it's fantastic their their code tour sections like 30 pages long it's fantastic i like that (laughs) yeah (laughs) so the trilogy uh we kind of like dove into the into the lore it has a massive effect you know uh but um one of our uh friends uh from the podcast uh hoonie he was talking about like how the prometheans uh, were kind of like they have a lot of similarities with the Rakadans. Like, um, are the they proteins? Yeah, yeah. They kind of like left behind those uh, Mass Effect relays. Then, yes. Okay. So now we're getting into the you know, like you said, the lore. Um, yeah. So you you know, in both in both Kotor and Mass Effect, you have essentially the, a precursor race of sorts. You know, in Kotor, you have the Rakadans. Here you have the Protheans. Um, and you have the technology left behind by the Rakatans in KOTOR. And correct me if I'm wrong about any details in KOTOR, because it's been a while since I've played it. Um, but you have the Star Forges from the Rakatans. Yeah. And in Mass Effect, um, you have the Mass Relays, though there is a little bit of a twist with that. Um, that involves the Reapers, which is sort of the, the villain in those games. And that's another um, similarity between them, kind of. Yeah. Uh, so, what is like the kind of like the general plot of, of these games? Like, it sounds like the Prometheans are kind of like long gone by the time like humanity kind of yes. learns about the Mass Effect relays. Yes, and and not to be a stickler, but they're Protheans. That's what they're called. Oh, Protheans. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, that's okay. It. Um. But yeah. Anyway. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so, you know, basically, um. Humanity has just joined like this uh, sort of um, sort of intergalactic alliance between different aliens and, and races, and um, you know the techno. I think the the sort of the there's not really any major conflicts going on in the universe, not really any wars or anything like that. Which I guess was one of the big things they they got away from um, in the series from Kotor, um, and so. Really, uh, what's happening is a lot of these races are sort of looking for protein artifacts. They're helping human colonies, um, and and you know, so the protein artifacts they have these these. I guess they're like beacons. So they're sort of almost at, at first they're treated almost like the star maps in Kotor, mm-hmm. um, and uh, they at at first they don't know what it does. Um, but then you have an early encounter, and I'll try to be light on spoilers. You know, maybe some stuff early on in the game I'll, I'll maybe uh, show a little detail on, but stuff later in the game I'll try to not spoil too much of, just for your guys' uh, sake. Um, 
And so these mass, these, uh, sorry, protein artifacts, uh, they basically carry messages, um, like, and, and they can only be accessed through sort of direct contact and the proteins were the ones using it. So, and they're, they are far advanced alien race to the humans or any of these other races. So the, really the inciting incident in the game, you know, you go to this human colony that's been attacked, um, by this sort of army of, um, ro- robot, like machine, like these, this machine race called the Geth. And, uh, you interact with the beacon because that's what they're after. And it gives Shepard a vision and he doesn't really understand it. And so you sort of spend the whole game sort of trying to decipher it. And eventually it leads you to um, the, like the quote unquote protein civilization. So the arc of that is, is very similar to KOTOR, I suppose. Um, there is a, a planet you go to that's very similar to like Rakata um, for this sort of precursor race. And, um, you know, sort of the fleshing out the visions that you have along the way also being a big part of the game. And so, um, yeah, that, that's, that's sort of how it goes along. And, um, you're, you're mainly, your, your main antagonist at that point is, um, this guy called Saren. He's a specter, which in the world of Mass Effect, they're basically like the chief operatives of the Galactic Council. Basically, they are Jedi and functionally in the game they have sort of the same sort of authority as jedi to preside over issues and to sort of decide how matters are panned out um and so you need to go after this specter who's gone rogue um and uh sort of stop him from whatever he's trying to you know um get from these these beacons um and along the way you learn about the reapers and uh they're sort of like a uh, organized uh, sort of like a uh how do you how would you describe them sort of like an elder god machine race that um <laughs> wants to wipe race. out wow. all organic life so okay. um yeah it's it's a, it's it's very like heady sci-fi themes but all like handled through that sort of space opera sort of uh lens so they're a machine race that's really cool yeah and and Sort of the, I, I think the key idea behind them, you know, they, they sort of are like, a, like love, Lovecraftian, like elder gods, except, um, you know, Casey Hudson being as big into sci-fi as he is, I think was very fascinated by the idea of like artificial intelligence um, one day being smarter than humans. And I think sort of in the time it was made, that was like a, you know, with AI technology coming along, especially on the internet, that's sort of become like a a more prevalent concern um and so they're sort of embody that you know they're they're uh like this elder you know eldritch sort of race but they're machines and they're ais and they're supposedly more powerful than all life in the galaxy uh which of course creates a uh the sort of driving plot of the the next few games which is uniting all the alien races of the galaxy to fight the Reapers and stop them from everyone going extinct. Hmm. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, it's it's a lot. <laughs> and you said, like, uh, KOTOR has an Ebon Hawk crew. Like, uh, we're not really that familiar with, with the Ebon Hawk, but... Um, <laughs> not uh, here. Yeah. And then the Mass <laughs> Effect ship, you said it was in Normandy? Yes, correct. 
And then who kind of fills up the the crew? Like, who who are kind of the big uh, yeah. crew members that you interact with? So uh, you have a different set of companions in each game. There's some companions that that sort of carry over because they were um, you know really loved by the community. So they're like, okay, you know, you get you get to see them in this game again. But in the first game. Um, you mainly have you have two human companions, Ashley and Caden. Um, Caden uh, is sort of I, I everyone kind of calls him the Carthonassi of of Mass Effect. Uh, he's even voiced by the same actor, um, and they're they're very similar. But I, I think the big difference between them is just that I think. Um, Caden, you know, he's sort of still processing a lot of his past and what he's going through. And, uh, or sorry, Karth is doing that. And Caden is sort of pretty, like, he's, he's sort of, you know, he's had his therapy. He's gone through so, sort of, you know, everything that's happened to him in his past. And sort of passes on the wisdom he's learned from that to you as the commander of this crew. Um, and so you can sort of choose to reject that wisdom or take it, but... Um, yeah, they're very similar. You have Ashley, very hot-headed, sort of like a mission vow, I guess. Um, you have Rex, who's a, he's a Krogan. They're like this race of aliens who are warriors and mercenaries. They're kind of like the Mandalorians of, of the Mass Effect universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I, I think I was, I was reading a, a post on your Instagram about sort of what, sort of, you know, what connections are there between KOTOR and Mass Effect. And someone brought up that he's very similar to Candrus Ordo. Um, which is a very valid comparison. Um, and uh, there's Garrus, who's sort of a, a beloved fan favorite of the entire trilogy. Um, he's a Turian. Uh, they're sort of like these avian-like people. Um, I, I almost compare them to like birds mixed with turtles a little bit. And uh, he's sort of like a, a CSEC officer who's who's, you know, sort of... Um, tired of sort of the red tape of, like, the council's politics and goes with you because he wants to sort of, you know, you have the authority to really carry out justice in the universe. And then there's, oh, man, there's actually a lot more companions than I thought. There's Tally, who's a big fan favorite. Um, she's a Corian. She She's, like, sort of that spinoff on, you know, Plo Koon's species from Star Wars. Can't They have to wear a mask to breathe outside of their world. And then... Um, you have Liara, who's this uh, of this race of aliens that lives to be 900 years old. And by the time you meet her, she's like 100 or something. And she's like, I'm just considered a teenager by my um, race's standards. Um, so you get like a lot of these different sort of perspectives. And if, if there's really a key sort of difference between the crew in Mass Effect versus the crew in KOTOR, it's in Mass Effect they put a lot more emphasis on sort of their alien identity. Um hmm. You know, of course, you have certain aspects of KOTOR where aliens are looked down upon, and you know that's definitely an element of experience. But they really magnify that in Mass Effect, um, and and really encourage you to sort of take in the perspectives of these other aliens. How do they view humans? How do humans view them? Um, and sometimes with some of your companions, like Ashley, you have to work through some of her, I guess, xenophobia um, about some of these alien races not wanting to work with them because at that time in the game, humans have not really interact with aliens for very long it's only been like 20 years oh wow um yeah so so you're sort of it's it's you know trying to and and you know that builds again into the conflict of these of the games is uniting all the alien races well you get to see firsthand that's not as easy as it seems um 
which again just makes for a lot of great storytelling because over those three games you try to navigate all the issues between all the races and stuff which is really really cool yeah and i mean looking at bioware like what they were able to accomplish with uh knights of the older public like on on terrace like the uh upper uh lower and under cities yeah and <laughs> uh Kashik with with the Wookiees and the, the oh, sand yeah. people on Tatooine like we talked with Huni about like uh the Wookiees and and the sand people mm-hmm. and I was like wow they were really like tackling a whole lot of like different issues like classism yeah. uh indigenous people like being looked over and stuff and uh just to kind of hear like that's it seems like it's explored more in in oh yeah mass effect i'm like ooh, i'm interested in that because i feel like they actually did a lot if you if you really look at at, at kotor so yeah and like you know in broad strokes you can miss a lot of that stuff um but you know really uh yeah just just sort of how they they treat like those issues like you said um is, is you know is a really standout quality of the storytelling in that game and um yeah is a big part of mass effect as well um i mean there's there's even encounters you have where essentially like um you know that you'll be walking through the citadel which is essentially the the hub of the galaxy um and uh you know there's a human that'll come out to you and he's like hey uh commander shepherd thank you for representing the human race can I have your support for the terra firma party? And you're like, what's the terra firma party? And he's like, oh, we're we're pro-human, all pro-human. And so the game sort of, you know, not only puts you in sort of like these ethical dilemmas, but also like a moral and political dilemma as well. So hmm. um, that was really some of the, you know, advantages of, of putting this in its own universe is they could just really connect all these different aspects themselves and and um, take on a lot of a lot of themes that they were, you know, sort of broaching in KOTOR. Yeah, yeah. No, that's super interesting for sure. And uh, yeah, just like kind of hearing about the characters and like, ooh, the- these are fun characters and they're grappling oh, yeah. with really interesting themes like in a sci-fi setting, which like I think that's that's the fun part of sci-fi is like dealing with like these like kind of deep thoughts, you know? Yeah, for sure. In that setting. And I was just going to I was just going to ask cuz you know, we've neither of us have played the game. Is it similar to KOTOR in that um, as you're doing your party selection, that's going to have kind of an effect on the story that you're getting to experience as well? Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, there there's some, you know, your companions have specific missions that they might want for you to do sometimes. Um, that's not such a big thing in the first game, but in the second game, that is pretty much the core aspect of the game. Mass Effect 2 is all about your companions. Mm-hmm. Um because the whole game is sort of building towards this big mission at the end, and you go on basically like a like a dirty dozen recruitment drive for all of these new companions, um, and you have to help them sort of work through their issues to make sure they're ready for the mission. Um, but yeah, you know, you you know the sort of the companions you take along the way do have an impact. There's an encounter in the first game where I think you're going after um, this matriarch, Asari woman, who you know in the Asari. Uh, sort of hierarchy a matriarch is someone who's sort of reached their mature stage they're like probably in their 700s or 800s um and uh you're going after she's she's actually the mother of liara who's one of your companions Mm. um and for some reason she's you know teamed up with saren is doing evil things and 
uh, very much like KOTOR, you know, where you can sort of choose the order. You go through the planets in the middle. You can do the same thing in Mass Effect. Mass Effect also has these, like, planetary arcs. you got to work through them. Um, and uh, you, there's the way you get Liara is you actually have to... She's one of the first sort of recruits you get going through these... Or not... Well, she's actually the last recruit you get, I should say. But you get her on one of these core planetary arcs. And you can choose to do that after the encounter with her mother. And you can, like, fill in about it, how it went afterward. And, you know, she'll probably not be super pleased about it. Um, but alternatively, you know, you can get her beforehand and, and take her there. And it, it changes the way it plays out a little bit. Um, and sort of gives you different options. And when you go talk to them, you know, later on in the Normandy and, you know, sort of ask them how everything went, them seeing it firsthand sort of changes your interaction with them. Um, and, you know, really all, all three games are full of that stuff where, you know, if you don't take a companion for a certain thing, they'll be like, what the hell, man? Like, why didn't you take me for that? <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and yeah, really, like, because the games deal so much with sort of the interactions between all these different species and, and cultures and stuff like that, um, you know, a mission that concerns the fate of the Krogan people, well, if you don't bring Rex along or in Mass Effect 2, you get Grunt, you know, he's another Krogan. Um, if you don't bring them along for that and you make some big decisions about it, they're not going to like that. And, um what they often do in those games is they'll also sort of um you you can you can have companions killed off like oh depending depending on if you make reckless decisions or even if you just have a, a stark enough disagreement that they're like i'm going awol and then at that point it's like it, you know like this is we're at war like there's only one fate for you um so that's a big aspect of the games and there's even a decision in one where you have to choose between two companions and I won't say who they are, but you have to choose between two of them and um, whichever one you pick survives, the other one dies. It's not possible Ooh. to save both. Oh. And then that companion is gone from the rest of the trilogy. So that's just, you know, that adds to the replay value then. Cause when you're playing through the trilogy from the very first game, you can be like, all right, I'm going to choose this person. And you have a slightly different experience in addition to all these other choices. So, um, yeah, it's it's really impressive. Okay, so that really captured my interest. Uh, yeah. So, is is it like backwards compatible the trilogy? Like, if you're male or female, good or evil in one, two, and three, it like kind of carries over. Yes, yes, and in fact, in in the pitch for Mass Effect, you know, right after Kotor, pretty much right from the beginning, Casey Hudson wanted it to be a trilogy. Um, which was, you know, a huge undertaking because, you know, you're trying, you know, it's it's three games with all of these choices that cross over between each game um, with sort of like a save transfer feature. Um, so, you know, when you play through Mass Effect 1, and or when you start at Mass Effect 2, rather, you can import your save from the first game, and then when you go into 3, import your save from 2. Um, so, yeah, a lot of those things carry over. There's some things that do not little small things here and there but for the most part all the big things do carry over um and and, and that you know the really impressive thing then and in, in, in mass effect 2 is because of um because it puts such a big emphasis on companions it is possible to go through mass effect 2 or finish mass effect 2 and actually have all of your companions killed um oh. so when you go into 3 
this really crazy scenario plays out where um, basically they'll have stand-in characters for certain arcs in the game because, you know, you it's like, well, if that character was alive, you'd be seeing them here on behalf of their people, but they're not, and we need the story to play on a little bit, so we'll have a stand-in character. So stuff like that, it's like, you know, it, it, it doesn't dramatically change things, but considering your emotional investment in these characters and, and where they can end up because of your choices, mm-hmm. um, it is pretty pretty incredible, like, like the carryover between each game. And it's unprecedented, too. I mean, you know, I don't know many game trilogies that were envisioned as a trilogy from the start. Usually that's like, you know, we'll see how this first one does, then we'll go right. from there. But with that one, they're like, no, okay, we're going to tell part one. It's a complete story. But, you know, and then part two, it's a complete story. And they didn't have every detail laid out, per se, but they, you know, knew very generally where they wanted it to go. And they wanted the always their goal was to have choices carry over. Huh. That's really cool. And I'm really starting to feel guilty for not having played <laughs> Mass Effect. So hope, yep. I, hopefully, like, our listeners who haven't, you know, played Mass Effect, they're like, oh, I'm just downloading it right now. You know, like, I'm, yeah, it's I'll fantastic. Yeah. So, and one day we will all be mass holes i guess or or if someone has a better term out there you know like they they can call themselves that uh so i guess if you had to like give a pitch to get someone to play the mass effect trilogy what would you say i guess i would say like you know especially for your listeners um really just take a lot of the things you you really like about kotor a lot of things a lot of the aspects of it that you know really set it apart as a star wars story and um take it into its like this full-blown completely new universe that has shades of star wars but also has shades of a lot of other great sci-fi that um inspired star wars and was inspired by star wars um made by people who you know love that sci-fi universe and and sort of love the different aspects and, and mechanics of it um it has a lot of choices that that matter um some great companions great writing uh, a world that you can really get lost in and um you know uh commander shepherd who is just you know one of the coolest protagonists in a video game ever um yeah it's it's really great and you know with the legendary edition you get probably the the most cohesive experience of it yet because you get all the content added into it that would have come out a couple of years ago and you had to pay extra for. But now it's you know all rolled up into one big experience, so it's definitely worth getting into if you haven't already. And um, you know you'll also be part of a um, a really awesome community who've you know really celebrated these games for many years as they've celebrated a lot of other BioWare's games. Yeah, like, I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to, like, either watch watch a playthrough or do a playthrough, so. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I Knowing you guys, you will you would adore those games. Like, <laughs> you know, there's so many things I want to go, you know, <laughs> to, to go more in on. But, you know, I think part of the fun for you, if you guys play that, will sort of be, you know, sort of seeing the similarities and differences from KOTOR and understanding, I guess, um where really the Star Wars ends and where the Bioware begins in, uh, in KOTOR and KOTOR and, and just really appreciating 
you know, the, this this studio's ability to tell really great stories. Yeah, and it, it was really it was really fun to uh, learn more about Mass Effect, and uh, I don't know, because like sometimes we talk to people and they're kind of newcomers to Knights of the Old Republic, but yeah. it was kind of cool to like kind of be a newcomer to Mass Effect and be able to kind of learn everything. So yeah. thanks for coming on. And uh, just a reminder, where can our listeners find you and what are you currently kind of working on? Um, you can find me, first and foremost, on YouTube as Artor. That's A-R-T-O. Well, the, t- the my name's in the title. I don't need to spell it out. But um, <laughs> you can also find me on Twitter at Parks Harmon. Um, and I'm currently working on a video for Mass Effect. Uh, by the time this episode's out, it's probably already up. Um, and, you know, that's just the first video on, on the trilogy. So there'll be two more, of course, for the next two games. Um, so definitely check that out if you want to learn more about Mass Effect, if you want to dive more into some of the creative inspirations and um, design and sort of the themes and what makes that game really special. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's that's sort of what I'm working on. And, of course, also stay tuned to my channel. I'm doing doing more Star Wars content in the future. Um, so there's there's plenty of... Star Wars things I've yet to talk about, so yeah. Oh, yeah, there's always there's always a war in the stars to to kind of find, you know. So surely, yeah. yes, <laughs> that's right. Well, uh, thank you, Parks, so much for coming on and talking with us about uh, Mass Effect. It sounds amazing. Um, I'm sold. I'm going to go pick it up probably, and then after Cassie and I, <laughs> uh, you know, a play through this thing or you know watch some playthroughs or something, uh, we'll have to have you back on so we can do like a part two of this where we can you, we, we can give you okay. uh, give you our thoughts back on it, maybe something like that. So uh, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on, and thanks everyone for listening. Uh, go check out the YouTube page. Check out Mass Effect, and uh, may the force be with you. And you can find us on Instagram at Old Republic Podcast. And if you want to connect with me, I can be found on Instagram at Astro underscore Droid underscore. And if you want to connect with us on Twitter, we can be found at Old Republic Pod. On Patreon, the link is in our Instagram bio, or you can find it at www.patreon.com slash Old Republic Podcast. And the Old Republic Podcast can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Subscription, reviews, and shares help us out. Our intro theme was composed by Dennis S. Mowers at DennisMowersMusic.com. Our outro theme was composed by Alistair Sherman at AlistairSounds.Wixsite.com forward slash Alistair Sounds. And our transition music was composed by Christian Walker at ChristianWalkerMusic.com. This episode of the Old Republic Podcast has been brought to you by Nikki Dog from Patreon. May the Force be with you. We will be back soon. Bye for now.